Hola mi gente, and welcome back to another episode of EntertainX, where we highlight the work and achievements of different Latinx individuals across the entertainment industry. I am your host, Ingrid Nin, and today we have showrunner's assistant, Sarah Kumjathi. Born to a Cuban mother and a Cuban food-admiring father, Sarah Kumjathi is a writer from central New Jersey. She's currently a showrunner's assistant at Fierce Baby Productions for the incredible Nanachka Khan. Sarah received her BFA in film from Syracuse University, where she wrote in Syracuse University's humor publication, The Kumquat. Previously, Sarah worked as a bartender and then as an assistant to literary managers at Three Arts Entertainment. Her unfinished work includes Back to the Feature 4 and a slew of other ideas she's not being too precious about right now. When she's not consuming all available content, she can be found studying improv at UCB, searching for the perfect bagel, and working in our bio. Hey, Sarah, how are you doing today? Hi, Ingrid. I'm doing amazing. How are you? I am good. It's both very gloomy where we are in Los Angeles and Atlanta, respectively, but I'm so happy to have you on today. I'm very happy to be here. You know, you've told us about it in our writers group that you have this podcast going and I've been listening to some of the episodes and I'm like, this is really badass. Like, I don't know anyone (laughs) that has their own podcast. I love the angle it's coming from, the people you've brought on. Like, this is only going to grow and to be something really special. I'm excited to be here. Oh, stop. You're going to make me blush. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy you're a fan and that all my episodes have been really interesting to you. So that makes me so happy. I wish that this podcast existed like four years ago when I got my start in the entertainment industry because I would have absolutely binged it. Oh, well, this is why we're here now so we can pass on the knowledge of what we did to those who were in our places four years ago. Yes. There you go. But speaking of, tell me about how you got into the industry and what like inspired your journey. Yes, I can absolutely do that for you. So I was just one of those kids who loved spending time in front of the TV. My parents, a big foundation of their relationship is just sitting down together and watching whatever is on TV. Typically, it's an old white guy trying to fight terrorism or a young white guy trying to find out about aliens. That's like tends to be their realm of interest. Love it. And as a kid, though, they're like, oh, you want to watch Lion King 500 times a day? Like, be our guest. And so that's exactly what I did. And I think at first in life, I wanted to, like, be a nature documentarian. I was, like, in a sense, in many ways, (laughs) that is still, like, a really kick-ass job. Like, people who get to go to India and document what the tigers are doing in the forest over there. Like, that sounds incredible. But I think probably well into high school, maybe even middle school, I was like, oh, like science and math are not my strengths. I'm going to need to pivot. And so that's when I got more into writing and kind of storytelling in that way. I think it's sometimes that word is a bit cliche, storytelling. But as a hobby, I was always interested in like capturing image, capturing moving image. So any kind of birthday or Christmas, I just wanted like my own camera and It's been really fun to, every time I go back home to New Jersey, like, see what old cameras I have. And I used to shoot on a camcorder that recorded the footage on mini DVDs. And now it's like, if I was a kid who was into videotaping things today, I would just have to, you know, get an iPhone and I wouldn't have to deal with any DVDs or things like that. 
it basically just has always been a curiosity for me. Like I've always loved watching and tuning in and I've always just kind of felt like a student of movies. Anytime I'm watching a TV show and they reference a movie and I don't know what they're talking about, it makes me want to go watch that movie. And I'm like, oh, well, not, not only do I get that reference, I've just watched like a great movie, whatever it is. I've just always kind of been a student of it all. And I think no matter what my job was or how I got my livelihood, like I would always be really into movies and TV. Nice. So when you decided to go to college, did you specifically go for film and TV or like how did that go for? Yes. It's kind of like when you're young, you don't really say to yourself like, oh, when I grow up, I want to be a screenwriter. When I grow up, I want to be a locations manager or production designer. I just knew that I wanted to work in film and TV so that I could understand how it is that those things get made. Like I've just had a, a curiosity that hasn't stopped. And so once I found out, oh, you can go to college and major in film, I was like, yeah, I think I should do that. It just made sense to me. So I applied to, I think, like a dozen schools, and the top four were all schools in California, so like Loyola Marymount, USC, UCLA, UCSB, and being from New Jersey, I had no shot of getting into those schools. I just wanted to go like to LA for college because I thought that was the best thing to do, like all the books that I had read about people who got their start, you know, they moved out to LA right away. So I sadly didn't get into any of those schools and my technically second choice, but it ended up being the best choice was Syracuse. And they have kind of two ways that you can get a film degree. You can either go to the art school, which is what I did, the College of Visual Performing Arts, or you could go to their journalism school mm -hmm. and they have a major called television radio film. And they're actually like very different in terms of how you end up getting that degree. But I'm really glad that I did the art school because it just also like educated you about what it means to be like an auteur. I was like, not used to taking myself seriously as an artist. I think I was just like, oh, I'm going to make a skit with a friend and we're going to laugh about it and that's it. But once I was able to see like, you know, where did film today come from? What are the roots of that? It was just really interesting. And I have still been really invested in learning all about that. Nice. And do you think your time there really prepped you for like making the jump into the industry itself and finding a job as an assistant and kind of getting your feet settled in? Not at all. <laughs> they were like, don't worry about the business. You need to spend time thinking about what you want to say as an artist. And, you know, at 19 and 20, I was like, I don't know what I want to say. I just want to <laughs> make people laugh. Of course. So it was a very artsy education experience. The side of like learning about the business, I had always wanted to. But that actually came to me in a different way. I was looking to make money between my first two summers of college. And I basically got an opportunity to babysit for someone. They had two twins that were seven or eight at the time. And that person ended up being a manager at Brillstein for some big clients like Amy Adams, Vin Diesel, Rachel Weiss, Michelle Williams. She is like kind of like a mentor to me. Her name is Stacey O'Neill. And once I was able to kind of connect with Stacey and tell her what my kind of dreams were, she hooked me up with an internship at CAA. So I did that internship the summer of 2017 before my senior year. And it was like one of the best things. Like I just was like a sponge. It was like kind of the first time I like said to myself, like, okay, I belong in this industry because 
I saw how passionate everyone else around me was in entertainment as well. You know, everyone was talking about what movies and TV shows they were watching, podcasts and concerts. Like that was kind of my more formal education. That internship is kind of where the business side of it all started. Oh, wow. So then you, you get this internship experience, you graduate. How did you proceed with taking the leap of saying, I need to go to LA and get this job? Yes. The internship prepared me for my move to LA because it cemented that I, you know, definitely wanted to work in the industry and felt like there was potential for me to grow there. So once I graduated, I said I need to raise $10,000 to move to LA. I thought to myself that figure would be a very good cushion to move to a very expensive city that I had only visited once before for like four days. Wow. So I began bartending, which was a great way to save up some money. And it was a couple of thousand shy of 10,000. I had saved up and I felt comfortable to move. I moved to LA in April of 2019. And it sounds a little bit sociopathic, but I don't regret it. I made a list of everyone that I had met at Syracuse, at my internship, in any other means, and said, I know that I need to start being an assistant. I was like, I'm ready to be someone's bitch. I'm ready for the boot camp. <laughs> like I'm ready to do whatever it takes so that I can do the next thing. And I just didn't even know what the next thing was. I just knew that that's how I had to start. I got coffee and drinks with a bunch of people and I got my first job within a month. Wow. Like I just spent all of my free time, which I will say, like I was expecting to be unemployed for a few months. Like it was something I was nervous about, but I basically just, you know, networked with the right person at the right time. And I started in the mailroom at three arts in May of 2019. Oh my gosh. That's so crazy. I always feel like this job is always just like 75% you're working, the hard work you put in and 25% just like dumb luck and universal timing. I think about that all the time. Like I used to think that Anyone's success in entertainment, whether you were in the mailroom or whether you were a studio executive, I was like, okay, it's 33.3% who that person knew, 33.3% how hard they worked, and the rest was luck. And now I'm kind of like, I think it's equal parts who you know and how hard you work, and the rest mm -hmm. is luck. Like, I'm sorry to say that is fully how <laughs> I feel, like the timing of the universe as you said it. 1,000%. I think that's honestly what I attribute my success to so far. No, same. For me, too. I feel like the universe just lands you and like lines up things for you in a certain way, where it's just like when you look back on it, it's like, yeah, I don't see any other way this could possibly happen other than like the way it did. Absolutely. And when I graduated from Syracuse, I had a plan that I think many of my peers did, which was I'll apply to the NBC page program yep. and then I'll start my career at SNL. And that simply didn't happen. I was bartending at this Mexican restaurant that I love. Shout out to Chilangos in Highlands, New Jersey. But I opened up the email that said you did not get into the page program. And I had interviewed like to the third round two separate times. And I had some connections at Universal. And I was like, surely this will work out. But it ended up being the best thing that it didn't because it made me not stay in New York for another nine months. Yeah. And although when I was graduating, I wanted to start right away, like all of my friends were, I knew that I needed to save up money. It just wasn't feasible for me to move out to LA right away. So in that time, I was able to work on myself a bit, do a lot of research, you know, take in a lot of information to see what LA was going to be like once I got there. 
Yeah. And so you land in the mailroom at Three Arts. And Mm -hmm. by the way, we met at Three Arts too. That's how we got connected. Heck yeah, we did. Yep. There you go. Three Arts always putting the best people together. You started in the mailroom. How was that experience like for you going to the mailroom and then like slowly but surely climbing up the assistant ranks to, you know, get into the desk? Yeah, it my case was very unique in terms of how I got out of the mailroom. Once I was there, I felt very much like a sponge. I just didn't know what was coming, like what the job actually entailed. But I knew that this was my time to be green, to be a beginner. So I just leaned into everything. Once I started in the mailroom, and you know, as you do, you hand out mail at certain points of the day. Every time I did, when I would hand the mail to someone, I would do what a lot of people in internships will recommend is that you say that person's name, like, here you go, Ingrid, see you later. And then like, I would know that, you know, who your boss was when I did that. And basically over time, like just by quickly doing that, I got to know everyone's name and who they worked for, which at a place like Three Arts, when there's, you know, quite a few employees, like it's good. It's just this one simple thing that I did that I feel like really helped. It was one of those like corporate tricks that they're like, just say the person's name. And I was like, oh, wow, I did that. <laughs> um, once I had the mailroom down, I think I was in the mailroom. So I started in May. And then in July, I was asked to cover for like a very, I guess the word would be like tenured, an assistant who had been there for several years. And they were an assistant to a partner. I was able to absorb that person's role in a really unique situation. So I was working for one of the partners within a few months of working there, which is, I would say, not typical. But that was one of the best things that the universe could have ever done because I was able to learn a lot really quickly. And being an assistant at Three Arts, I did that. I was on that person's desk right up until the pandemic when people had to sadly get furloughed. I mean, I was in LA for 11 months before the pandemic began. Wow. And so I felt at that time, I was, you know, floating on that person's desk, learning a whole lot, liking everyone that I worked with. But when the pandemic hit and I got furloughed, that I was unemployed for six months and the opportunity came up for me to go back to Three Arts, also as a floater under a different role for another person and I just felt like I still had a lot like more to learn. I really didn't feel like I was in a place to leverage the next step in my career yet, which is my current level showrunner's assistant. So I went back and I said, yeah, I still have a bit to learn. Also, it was really hard to find a job at that time. Like, why don't I go back to the place where I felt comfortable? So I stayed at Three Arts until May of 2022. So I was there for three years and I learned a lot and I worked for a few different people, but the friends that I made there was easily the best part of the job. I can't believe it's been over a year since you left. I know. That's absolutely like crazy to me. I just looked at the day. I'm like, wait, it's June 2023. <laughs> it's so insane because I consider myself a quick learner, but I've enjoyed so much in this new role, everything that I've learned. So mm-hmm. It goes back to that curiosity about how everyone makes the sausage in this town. Like I'm just really curious about it from all levels. I was able to learn a lot at Three Arts, especially that your ticket to your next job is not always going to be your boss. Sometimes it's the person sitting next to you day in and day out. That wasn't something I expected 
when I started in the mailroom, I was just like, these jobs seem so elusive. Like, I don't know how people get in here and how they get out, but it was easily the best part of the job was the people I met. Nice. I love that. And I love how after that whole year, you're still connected with everyone you've met and still keep those relationships going. Easily. I mean, I remember even being in the mailroom thinking to myself, like, I've heard of these things called writers groups out here. Like, what does that even entail? And then, you know, thanks to the pandemic, I think the assistants who had the interest in being writers were like, let's get this thing going. And it's been one of the best, you know, resources that's come out of my time at Three Arts. I feel that same sense of I belong here every time like we get on one of our writers group Zooms and just start shooting the shit about whatever's on TV or what movies in the theaters. Honestly, whenever we have a writer's group meeting, that's like my highlight of the week. I'm just like, (laughs) I finally get to talk shit and do the thing and read some scripts and just have a good time with these people that I've known forever and probably have met in person like once. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) especially in your situation, I know. Yeah, It's also like, even if someone told me tomorrow, Sarah, you're a talentless broad, you need to stop pursuing this. And I was like, okay, sure. I would want to stay in our writer's group because that's like one of the few spaces where someone gives you a piece of their art and themselves. And you get to discuss it openly about what you'd like to see more of, what you'd like to see less of. Like that's kind of what a studio executive spends their day doing and getting paid for it. But we just get to do it for our own like enrichment, basically. There you go. (laughs) But it's still fun. And I think it just creates such a level of security. We entrust each other with all these projects that we're working on to really give honest and great feedback with one another, you know? Yeah. Which is super, super invaluable. But to pivot from here. So how did you go about then finding your current job as a showrunner's assistant? And what was that process like? So as I mentioned earlier, I had been at Three Arts for three years, which is not typical for like someone in that kind of entry level assistant role. Like, yeah, I started in the mailroom and was able to work my way out of there. But I'm going to admit, I did a little bit of something a little sociopathic and I just made a list of everyone I knew what they were doing and how they got to that role was what I was interested in knowing. So I was making a list of who I needed to get coffee with that spring. And I said to myself, okay, I'm going to be out of three arts by this date. I'm going to go on vacation in Hawaii for a week. As you should. Because I had not taken a vacation in three years at that point. Thank you very much. That was like the best thing I could have done. Because I thought to myself, similar to when I moved to LA, I was like, okay, I want to be a showrunner's assistant. And by the way, I had to learn that I wanted that once I was at Three Arts. Because the thing is, with the exception of the lovely people of nepotism, like you don't get to just walk into a writer's room, even if you deserve to be there, like you have to learn about it. I didn't know how someone became a staffed TV writer. So I just knew that, okay, I have to become a showrunner's assistant. Okay. And then I have to become a writer's assistant. And then maybe at that level, I will get noticed somehow and get staffed. So just wanted to mention that I didn't wake up every morning and say, oh, I want to be a showrunner's assistant. I just knew that I wanted to be a writer. And then I had to figure out how I was going to get there. I think a lot of people don't realize like there's so many more jobs in the industry that like advertised you know what I mean yes it's really something that you just learn with the job and like with 
being exposed to so many people. And I think that's the nice thing about being at like a management or an agency mm-hmm. is that, you know, it's really like the nucleus where you get to see every single part of what people are doing. Exactly. And that was something that people told me all the time when I was first starting and I was doing, you know, triple the amount of networking that I've been doing today. Back then, it was just people saying, starting at an agency, starting at a management company, you're going to get the 360 view of everything. And if you don't know what you want to do or don't know how to get there, that's the place where you're going to learn it. And it's true. I would say that to someone who is starting out today as well, like starting in representation, because no one in representation expects an assistant out of college to know exactly what the job is going to entail and to nail it perfectly. So going there is a great way to start. So basically, I got this job because someone moved up and out. And my friend very kindly thought of me for the position and I became very eager to take it. That's kind of how I ended up there. Like I interviewed once for the role and was very honest about the fact that I was going on a Hawaiian vacation for a week, but it all ended up working out. I was able to transition out of three arts, transition into this new role at Fierce Baby and go on vacation. And it was like, the craziest two months of my life. And then once I was settled in, I was like, this is awesome. I love that so much for you. You must have came back like so refreshed and just ready to take on this new job. I love it. Oh, I was. And that just goes to show like I planned a vacation. That's how long I was convinced it was going to take me to find the next job. And most people in LA, like they can't say I'm going to go on vacation and then start looking for a job. I put myself in a position where I was like, I cannot work at three arts. It was not against three arts. I just said, you know, I can't work here for much longer. Like I need to forge my own path. I've been here for three years and then I will do the next thing. Again, wasn't expecting to land anything for months. And it was like, this fell into my lap before I even really started hunting for it. Like I'm just so lucky that someone thought to call me. Oh my gosh. So let's talk about the job then itself. So how has that been for you being there for a year now? I would say being a showrunner's assistant has impacted my kind of aspirations as a writer by, first of all, it gave me a very validating feeling of like when I was watching the writers in Young Rock, I had that little voice inside me being like, this job is definitely still the coolest. It's definitely what I still want to do, especially after seeing it up close like that people, you know, sitting around and riffing and making really good jokes and getting to laugh in a room with people all day sounds like the best job. So yeah, it kind of further cemented my interest in being specifically a comedy writer. For me, like the next steps, like I try to think about things like, I don't know what my job is going to look like, you know, five years down the line, but what does the next six months or the next year look like? So right now I'm a showrunner's assistant and I'm aspiring next to be a writer's assistant on a show. And hopefully after that, that would push me to becoming a writer. But the thing is, is that you could get staffed and not have ever been a showrunner's assistant or a writer's assistant, or you could have several showrunner's assistant jobs before you become a writer's assistant. You could have several writer's assistant jobs before becoming a writer. Even though I know the path that I'm on and what I'd like the next step to look like, there's just no guarantees that that is going to be what happens next. So as a writer, I think 
I want to focus more on my voice. Like, I think this is such a great opportunity to learn having this job, but the downtime that I have, I want to figure out what is it that I want to say. And reading so many different scripts, I've gotten to read even more at this job than when I was an assistant in representation. It's been such a pleasure. And reading has really helped me as a writer. This job has kind of been the perfect job for me and what I want to do, but also everyone I've gotten to work with here has just kind of been so kind and polite. And I'm really lucky to say that where I work is a really nice place to work. I love that. What do you think has been the hardest part of the job? And like one of the things you didn't expect to learn? I will be very candid. So when I started the job, I would say like specifically started as a showrunner's assistant. I think my job was 50% assisting my boss in things for the business and 50% assisting in personal tasks. And I think for anyone in my position, that can really range. I know some showrunners assistants where it's 90% personal stuff, 10% business. I've learned basically how to be even more resourceful. That was like one of the biggest lessons I learned at Three Arts and that's extended here. You know, there's been a dozen or more things that I've been asked to do on this job that I had never known how to do before, whether that's like a tax document or like learning how to revise a script or, you know, I've just learned so many little things of how does each day go by as a showrunner and what does that look like as a showrunner's assistant. The challenges have been like when I don't know how to do something and I have to figure it out, but like that's like a huge part of being an assistant for so long. It's how can I be the most resourceful? How can I make my boss's life easier? How can I make them happy? Take things off their plate because they have to make so many decisions every day. So I think learning how TV gets made, learning how a movie gets made, I've gotten to see that up close. Those have been my favorite things to learn. But the challenges I would say for me personally have been sometimes the personal stuff. Like how do I how do I close the loop on this thing that I have never done before? I one thousand percent get it. I think that's all jobs. They always come with their ups and downs and I love how you say that, that the biggest job of an assistant is just to learn how to be the most resourceful person that you can, which is a thousand percent true no matter what kind of assistant you are. Yeah. So now with the writer's strike in play, how has that affected your job and what you do on the day-to-day? The job used to be like 50% business tasks and 50% personal tasks. And I feel like it's become like 70% personal stuff and 30% business stuff just because the strike has slowed so many things down. I'm really hoping it ends soon and that, you know, a good deal is on the other side because People like us, you know, it benefits us to have more weeks in a writer's room, have a bigger staff, because there are less showrunners assistant, there are less writer's assistant jobs today than there was 10, 15, 20 years ago. And those are all positions, as I've said, like how much I've gotten to learn in this role, that that's going to continue to be the path. We work in careers that are really not linear. There's a million different ways to make a movie. There's also a million different ways to wind up as a writer, I feel like. You know, you can come up with your friends and one of them can have a good idea that gets made and then they bring you in on it. Or you have to take the more linear path of showrunner assistant to writer's assistant to 
eventually getting an episode and that gets you staffed. And even when you get staffed, you know, you hope that that show has multiple seasons for you to continue working on. It's really unpredictable, this line of work, but it can be so passionate, creative and collaborative. So it's a really enticing job being a TV writer specifically. Yeah. Has the job changed what kind of TV writer you want to be? Like, do you think you want to stick to sitcom or what do you think is kind of your genre? Love that question. I still think that I want to be a TV comedy writer. And the reason I say that is just because I love the flow of jokes. Like you're able to write jokes that are maybe more topical in TV. Whereas like if you put a joke in a movie, you kind of have to hope for yourself that six months or a year down the line that that joke might still sustain, you know. My dream, dream job of all time would be to be a late night comedy writer because I love jokes about things that are really topical. But that being said, you know, I love the show Golden Girls. I feel like that is the perfect TV sitcom to exist. (laughs) Love Golden Girls. (laughs) It's the best and it ages very well. If there was a universe where I got to work on a show like that, I mean, it would just be such a joy. Like I'm into all shapes of comedy and comedy writing. So I really think that my role here as a showrunner's assistant, yes, it's cemented that I know what I want to do and I stay on that path and try to get there. But also it's really showed that specifically TV writing with the exception of Mike White, maybe like it's not all one person thinks of the stories. Like it takes multiple points of view, multiple voices to make something that's really good and that people want to watch. 1000 person. I think that's one of my favorite things about the whole industry in general is such a collaborative medium on all levels throughout the whole process, you know, with a few exceptions, of course, but (laughs) I think that makes it even more fun, you know? Yeah. So I know that you started studying improv at UCB. Mm -hmm. How has that been going? It's been really fun. I was talking about this with a friend last night and You know how like when you're a kid, you just have so much time dedicated to play and being present. You know, as a kid, you don't have any obligations. It's felt a lot like that. Like when you're in a scene, literally playing pretend with someone just to try to get laughs, you're fully engaging with the part of your brain that's just like, let me be free. Let me play. Like when I'm in class, you know, it's a three hour class on Wednesdays from seven to 10. And there's nothing else I'm supposed to be doing at that time except engaging in the scene and learning how to play the game better. I'm really happy that I started doing that. That mostly came out of, you know, all of the funny people that I like, they all started somewhere in the improv space. So I said, why don't I give this a try? And I had my first class six weeks ago. Now I'm in level two right now. And it feels great. It's that sense of I feel like I belong. And I love laughing in class and making people laugh has been really fun too. I love that. And how has it changed your approach to your writing, especially the comedy in your writing? I honestly feel like I'm still figuring that out. I think I'm still trying to get that perspective on how is this sense of play and, you know, just making up funny situations. How is that going to fall into my writing? I'm not sure quite yet, but maybe it's all just helping me develop my point of view and my voice as a writer, which is something I don't feel like I have 
a clear grasp on right now. I feel like it just comes through dependent on what I'm writing. So we'll see. I think it could definitely help me, but I'm just not sure in what way yet that the studying at UCB is going to help just yet. Okay. So I know we touched about it a little bit about you seeing yourself in five years, staffing in a room and really continuing that path on becoming a writer. And we talked a little bit about Golden Girls, but what other kinds of shows that you would like to work on? And do you see yourself also kind of turning into a multi-hyphenate like the showrunner you're working under right now? Yeah, I would love to answer this question kind of in two ways, because I think there's like an optimistic way. And then there's like the realistic way that I am unsure of. So optimistically, I would love to be working on a show like Golden Girls or, you know, I thought Pen15 was a masterpiece. I have a lot of dreams right now, but even writing on the sketch show like Inside Amy Schumer or SNL, like those are all things that are dreams of mine. But to get there in five years, I don't know. Like (laughs) There's been a pandemic, there's been a strike, and that's just in the last four years that I got started in this industry. So of course I would love to be staffed. Of course I would love to have a sense of voice and discipline in my writing at that point. But realistically, in the next five years, there is a chance that I could become a writer's assistant. There's a chance that I stay as a showrunner's assistant or possibly do this job again in another capacity. You know, it's really hard to predict. Where I would like to see myself is just getting to know myself as a writer more. What is it that I want to say? What are the stories that I want to see? That's something in the next five years I see myself discovering and developing more. Would love to be staffed as a writer, of course, but could also be a writer's assistant on one or three shows at that point. So it's really difficult to say. I kind of try to think about the next six months or a year. And then I do, as a young adult, spend a lot of time thinking about what's life going to look like in 10 years? What's life going to look like in 20 years? But the next five is like really in this line of work. It's really challenging to think about what it's going to look like. Yeah, I feel like it's sometimes a little bit of a heavy loaded question. <laughs> it's a great question. But I always go with the philosophy of dream big, work small. Yes. You know, take one step at a time, but always have that overarching dream that'll keep you going and keep you pushing. I love that mantra, by the way, of work small, dream big. The one that's gotten me through has been lift as you climb. Like as you make it to the next step, who is it that you can provide some insight or help to? I always make time for people who want to know more about what it is that I do and how I got here because I remember how mysterious and elusive it all seemed when I started. And there are three women who have helped me in each step of my career. And I don't forget the help that they gave me. It's actually been more than just, I mean, those three women have been very helpful, but there's been so many more people. Even every time we get on our writers group meeting, the motivation that you guys give me has been so instrumental. No matter what I'm doing in five years, I hope that in that span of time, I'm helping someone else get to the position that I am in today. Because it's kind of all like a cycle. You know, you're supposed to lift as you climb. The people next to you are the people that are going to be next to you in the next five or 10 years too. So it's really good to just develop those relationships and support people that are around you. I honestly couldn't have said it better myself. (laughs) Because that is the thing that 
has honestly taken me the farthest is the people around me, the people who always have given the opportunity to support me and lift me up. And in the next five years, when you become a showrunner, I would love to be your assistant. Like, (laughs) I would love to learn from you even more than I've been able to in this podcast capacity. But all of the questions that you've asked have been so great. And I'm going to be thinking about them for a while because I feel like I'm just floating in space, not sure what's happening. (laughs) But really, I do have a little bit of a career going on, you know? like Don't say a little bit. You have a lot of (laughs) career going on right now do not count yourself out okay I do stuff that is very cool and sometimes I do stuff that's very important and that makes me feel good there you go I think that's a perfect note to end on (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for coming on again I really really had a great time speaking with you thank you and for you folks listening out there please follow us at at entertainixnow on all social media platforms And be sure to tune in next time for another episode of Entertain X. Take care, guys.